Let's see. We're going to show you the MHM video. Y'all are, are great partners with us. Actually, all the books and CDs are free tonight and tomorrow night. So all the books, CDs are free. So everybody can get at least two things free and then wait a while so until everybody else gets some and then come back around and get some more stuff. That makes sense. So everybody get at least two things free couple of books, CDs, get it free. And if I give you something free, you have to read it or listen to it within 30 days. Come on, are the fleas of a thousand camels infest your armpits? So write a report. Uh-huh. Good job, Lisa. So if you get a free book or free set of CDs, you have to write a page, maybe a couple of paragraphs and tell us what it's about. You say, how am I going to give it to you? You can send it on Facebook. You can put it on Instagram. You can send it to us that way. No, you can send it to Lisa and she'll send it and she'll read it. Maybe do a little uh, English correction. <laughs> so also on our website, markhankins.org, you can get on the website and just now starting, you can, you have unlimited free downloads of all the messages. Everything is absolutely free. All you got to do, in other words, if you don't like to listen to CDs or maybe new cars don't have CD players nowadays, then you just get on there with your smartphone, get on the website and just download the messages free. And you can get the TV programs on there. We're very thankful to Kenneth and Gloria Copeland because on the Victory Network, how many of y'all watch the Victory Network? And you can watch it on, on the Dish Network, but you don't have to watch it on the Dish Network if you don't have that. Actually, they're, they're purchasing right now time and a channel to go on DirecTV, which will cost about $1 million a month to pay for having your own satellite channel. So 24 hours a day, they'll be putting the word out, the word of faith, 24 hours a day. And so uh, thank Kenneth and Gloria Copeland. But also you can get on, the, uh, on our website if you want to watch the program, or you can get on Go Victory, I think it is. You can get the app Go Victory, and you've got all the TV programs anytime you want to watch them. I think they keep a week at a time loaded up on there. So you can do that. And, uh, you know, Kenneth and Gloria Copeland are just two of the most amazing preachers, ministers, and he's 83 years old, and they're still preaching the gospel around the world. And instead of backing down and looking for a rocking chair, He's, he's going forward because we, uh, we, all of us pull together and have a victory thon and raise millions of dollars so that that channel can go forward. But instead of backing up, spending 600000 a month, now they're going forward to spend over $1 million a month to uh, get the word of faith out around the world. So thank God for them. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a monthly partner with Kenneth Copeland Ministries and have been for probably 30 or 40 years. Uh, I'm a monthly partner with um, uh, Kenneth, 40 years, with uh, Brother Cope, Brother Hagen. I've been a monthly partner with them for over 40 years. I have other missionaries that I've been a monthly partner with for over 40 years. Are y'all still here? So uh, the Lord said to me one time, he said, do your sowing where you're going. Amen. That means if I'm planning on going forward, then I do my sowing. <laughs> and so every month, and so the Lord said, be the kind of partner you want Amen. or be the kind of friend you want. Amen. 
right? And so every month we're sowing into these ministries and the word's growing and multiplying. So we don't just have partners. We have wonderful partners with our ministry, but we are partners with ministries that's just going, the word's growing and multiplying. Amen. So you can get on the website. All right, and uh, this is a, sh uh, a few of the pictures because you all are partners with us. And uh, this is a few of the pictures of what we are doing in Papua New Guinea, one of the poorest countries in the world, but some of the greatest faith champions in the world in Papua New Guinea. Actually, Carnelius, you'll see him right when we start in Papua New Guinea. He's a bishop over many churches. He also went to the Olympics as the karate champion from Papua New Guinea. That was before he got saved. So once he got saved, his wife said, when he talks to people about the Lord, they listen. <laughs> so he's older now, but he comes to our leadership conference every March from Papua New Guinea. Their church uh, is a monthly partner with us. We help them build their church. We ship over twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 worth of books so that they can hear the word. <laughs> and so uh, you'll see Carnelius on there and uh, a great man of faith. And we've been there twice, but the last time we were going to go, uh, our grandson was having a uh, uh, some leukemia situations and we were going to the hospital and he's doing wonderful now, but we just had to tell him we will come back as soon as we possibly can. And so, um, my wife's sister, Patsy was over there when they got the news that I could not come in August. And, uh, she said the people stopped, put their face in their hands and cried like a baby. So you understand they love the word of God. And so when we bring the word, it's very precious to them, very valuable to them. It's not just like another meeting, maybe like it is in some places. It's like just valuable, changes their life, live with such poverty. Actually, they, they, they were cannibals before the gospel of Christ came to that island, cannibals. And one time I was preaching, I heard somebody say delicious. And it just, just, it just made me a little nervous. I don't know why. But uh, that, that's a joke. They actually joke about it themselves. But anyway, so uh, they love Jesus. So you'll see them at the beginning, but you'll see all the different countries that we're working in and your partnership with us enables us to do it. Hallelujah. Amen. So show that and y'all can see where, where the word is working. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Woo, man. Praise the Lord. Uh, the great thing about being a giver and being a partner with the gospel is you don't actually have to go. Well, that's good. You don't have to sweat. You don't have to stay in the hotels. And you don't have to eat the food. And you get this. The Bible says you get the same reward with those who go. What a deal, man. <laughs> so take an offering envelope. We'll receive the offering this evening. If you're giving tonight, uh, I know this church, y'all are always giving. So if you're giving tonight or tomorrow night, take an offering envelope. Even if you're not going to give anything, take one anyhow, because it's very encouraging to those who are receiving offerings. If you'll take an offering envelope and just go ahead and write something on it, write a note to a friend. But uh, if you're going to give tonight, take an offering envelope. If you're going to make out a check, make it to MHM or to Mark Hankins Ministries. If you're giving by cash, check, or you can also give by credit card. You can also give uh, with your phone. I don't know how to do that myself. Uh, or you can give online, a lot of different ways you can give. Um, but if you'll just, um, whatever God puts in your heart, wow. Amen. <laughs> Somebody on the other side of the world will stop crying. 
and they'll say thank you. Are y'all still here? I said somebody on the other side of the world will say thank you. Yes, ma'am. All right, so open your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Yeah, get ready to give. Let's expect some supernatural results. Uh, the Lord said to me uh, not too long ago, he said, I did not design tithing and giving for you to decrease. Amen. He said, I actually designed tithing and giving or sowing as a means whereby you could actually increase. God never planned on you giving yourself broke. He planned on us giving ourselves blessed. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And he says this, he talks about giving, and he actually calls giving sowing. Sowing. What's that mean? Well, I call it farming money. My daddy used to say, you think money grows on trees? I said, well, it does if you plant it. <laughs> so he says sowing, he calls sowing, he says, um, uh, he was so sparing, reached sparing, he that sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Well, you know, people don't get real happy about that unless they're a bountiful sower. Because <laughs> there's a bountiful harvest. So the Lord said to me one time, he said, harvest never gets confused. He said, you don't have to worry about sowing sparingly and reaping generously. In other words, you don't have to worry about you sowing generously and somebody next to you sowing sparingly and God messes up the address and they get the harvest and you get a little. That's true. Now there's a spiritual law involved. Yeah. Amen. Your giving literally has a return address on it. Thank you, Lord. And God labels it whether it's sparing or generous. What's sparing? Well, sparing don't mean that you didn't do anything. That just means you kind of stayed in your comfort zone. How many of y'all like to get out of your comfort zone a little bit? Amen. And so he said, uh, when you sow generously, you're going to reap generously. There's a harvest, a blessing that'll come. Verse seven, he says, let every man, according as he purposes in his heart, let him give not grudging of necessity for God loves a cheerful giver. So he says, purpose in your heart. All right, let's try that one. A purpose in your heart. So you're given, first of all, you must understand the purpose of your giving. Purpose. In other words, you're giving, you purpose in your heart. In other words, there's an eternal purpose connected to your giving. Now, there's all different kinds of charitable giving, you understand. I mean, you can even watch TV and they'll, they'll have a commercial, you know, and try to get you to give, you know, to help a dog or a cat. They call that charitable giving, you know, so giving, you help a dog, help a cat, you know, and honestly, uh, I don't mind that I would help a dog. I just don't know if I could help a cat, but I mean, uh, <laughs> So there's all kinds of giving and all kinds of charitable things. You know, you could like save the whales, you know. And, but only the gospel of Christ has an eternal purpose. So you purpose in your heart. In other words, God doesn't just want your hand involved in your giving. He wants your heart involved in your giving. He said, then he said, and God loves a cheerful giver. So when you understand the purpose of your giving, then actually it's going gonna, it's gonna to get people uh, built up, edified, saved all over the world. And once you understand the purpose, he said, God loves it when you get happy and you give. Well, that's a pretty rare thing, isn't it? Y'all been raised in church? I said, it's a pretty rare thing to receive an offering where everybody's happy. I mean, if you don't believe me, just look around. Not here, of course, because this is a great church. I'm talking about other churches, you know. The guy said, you know, God loves a cheerful giver, but we will take grouchy money. But anyway, so 
It's like the, the story about, because my dad pastored for years, and the story goes that uh, uh, somebody called up the church, you know, and said, uh, said I want to talk to the head hog. Remember that story? Somebody said, I want to talk to the head hog. Secretary got real mad. Said, well, we have, we have a pastor, and you don't call him no head hog, and so you need to have some respect. And the person said, well, you know, I was going to give $10,000 to the church. And the secretary said, I think I hear him honking down the hall right now. <laughs> so, uh, something like that. <laughs> hear that little pig coming to the hall right now. So, <laughs> oink, oink, oink. So anyway, so the, pur- the purpose of your giving, God loves a cheerful giver. And how in the world can you get happy while you're giving away your money? Now, if you know Dr. Avery Jackson... Y'all know Dr. Avery Jackson. And uh, I was preaching in Detroit, Bishop Keith Butler's church. And Dr. Avery Jackson, an African-American man, grew up in Bishop Keith Butler's church. And he's one of the leading brain surgeons in America. So Brother Copeland had him on his broadcast. I was preaching at Bishop Butler's church, Dr. Avery Jackson, sitting on the front row. And got so full of the Holy Ghost that he was laughing. He couldn't stop laughing. And here's the guy, the leading brain surgeon. He said, I know how good it is to laugh. And I'm, I'm laughing right now. In other words, he said, it helps my whole body when I laugh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's and so he got full of joy, full of the Holy Ghost, medical doctor, leading brain surgeon. And so I was just at Brother Copeland's minister's meeting. We started visiting and talking. And so he said, in your brain, you have certain Pleasure centers in your brain. Joy affects your whole brain. He said, but there's another pleasure center in your brain, he said, which lights up when you give. He said, in your brain, it gives you pleasure to your whole person when you're a generous giver. Come on, so if you're feeling grouchy, if you feel like you hadn't, things ain't working out for you. When you're a generous giver, he said it literally lights up the pleasure center in your brain. In other words, God designed us to be givers. Because he's the biggest giver. So God created us that we'll only really be happy in life giving, not just getting. Mm. Amen. So there's something about being a cheerful giver. And when you're a cheerful giver, you understand the purpose of your giving, but you also understand the promise of your giving. Everybody say promise. Do we have a promise? All right. Look at the next verse. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you so that you have all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. So I told the Lord, I said, well, Lord, I already gave to one good work. He said, I'm going to bless you so much you'll be able to give to more than just one good work. He said, Any, those that are connected to you, you'll be able to be a blessing. What if the apostle Paul and the apostle Peter showed up at the same meeting? You said, well, I gave all my money to Paul. <laughs> Did you know God bless you enough that you can bless Paul, Peter, and John? So I told the Lord, I said, you must be planning on me doing really well if I'm able to be a partner and be a blessing to more than just one or two. How many believe God's planning on you doing really well? 
he, he's able, he's able to make all grace amplified, says every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance. So you have all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Amen. And then he says, and God gives seed to the sower. All right. Now here's a pastor right here. God gives seed to the sower. So I've studied this for years just because I wanted to understand how God thinks about it. Because if I can ever think like him, I'm going to be all right. So God gives seed to the sower. And the Lord said to me, I do not give seed to the preacher. He said, I do not give seed to the singer. I give seed to the sower. He said, so you can be a great preacher and still be broke. He said, you can be a great singer and still be broke. Come on, there's plenty of broke preachers. He said, in other words, that preacher can't just be a good preacher. He's going to have to be a good sower. So you can't just be good looking and smart. You're going to have to be a good sower because the Lord said, if you'll get addicted to giving, I'll support your habit. In other words, God said, I'll give you money you wouldn't have had if you'll be a sower. Then he said, and I'll multiply your seed zone. Well, we better stop. Hallelujah. How many of y'all believe he's multiplying your seed zone? All right, let me pray with you. Get your offer hand. Father God, thank you that you bring in a whopper of a harvest to multiply our seed zone, that we are blessed so we can be a blessing. Jobs are blessed. Businesses are blessed. This church is blessed. We are blessed. The increase of God, we sow generously, and there is a great harvest of blessing that comes in, and we boldly confess the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I do not lack for ability. I do not lack for opportunity. I never lack for money. I never lack for money. I'm a tither. I'm a sower. I'm a giver. And the money will come. Go angels, ministering spirits, and cause the money to come. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. The money will come. The money will come. And money's moving. Money's shaking. And strongholds are breaking. And the earth is the Lord. So houses and lands will come into our hands. And we give you the praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name, everybody shout amen. All right, God bless you as you give. Praise the Lord. Why don't we just shout a little bit while you're giving? I believe what he just said. Amen. How many believers do we have? How many have proven that to be true in your life? Amen. You seek first God's kingdom, his righteousness. He makes all grace abound to you. You give and it comes back bigger. You sow some seed and it comes multiplied back to you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I get to listen to Mark preach a lot and I just get to learn more and more. <laughs> Feed my faith, water my faith. Let's thank God that money is not coming back, coming back to you the same way you planted it, amen? Let's thank God, lift up your hands and thank God that he's supplying every need according to his riches in glory. Father, we just thank you. You give more and more grace. Hallelujah. All kinds of grace. Hallelujah. Thank you for your blessing and your smile upon your people tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank God. His word is so true. It's good to be here. And last night we just had a meeting with God. Heaven opened up. Woo. 
Mark started with a story from Jacob. You know, Jacob, uh, when he slept on the rock, how could you sleep on a rock? Anyway, he was tired, I guess. So, and while he was sleeping, something happened. You know, when you're doing God's will you're, and God's involved in your life, you can just be sleeping and something's going on. And he woke up. There was a ladder from where he was to heaven. And there were angels coming up and down. Woo. He said, God's in this place. And I didn't even know it. That happened last night. God was in this place. Hallelujah. And you know, when God comes in the place, he changes everything. And he tells you words of life. He tells you words of hope. And I just want to share a testimony, just a quick one. But this happened, you know, and a lot of you are familiar with our son, grandson, Dylan, five years old, diagnosed with leukemia three years ago. Almost finished with, and Mark shared that testimony last night. Almost finished with uh, all of his treatment. Almost ready to ring that bell. And then leukemia cells showed up. Man, that's like the devil. And you know what? I was so disappointed. It was like, oh. Have you ever felt that? Oh. It just felt like I'd been punched. I thought, oh. So it just kind of going along, going along. There was many different things that happened. But August, he was going in for a bone marrow transplant in September. August, I got down on the bed, or on the floor beside Dylan's bed and just began to speak the word over him. And you know what? When you speak the word, guess what happens? And you take God's promises and you rehearse them. Guess what happens? Heaven opens. He comes down. You go up. You start hearing from heaven. And that night, it was a turning point. Hallelujah. And what happened was, I said, okay, I'm on solid ground. I'm on solid ground. I know the word. I know the covenant. And it doesn't matter what happens in the natural. It doesn't matter what the body will do, what the devil says, or People say, you know, this is what the word says. And I got another grip on the word. Hallelujah. And there's hope in the word. And then the next day I got up and said, okay, now what, God? What's the next thing? And he said, Second Chronicles 20. So open that story up. Oh, what a great Bible story. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Second Chronicles 20. The children of Israel facing three armies about to be destroyed. What did they do? You couldn't look anywhere but up. So they looked up from the king all the way down to the child in the family of every child. Mama's, dad's, children, everybody looking up. God, what are you saying? And many things happened in that chapter. I won't go back through it. But chapter 20, verse 20 says, believe God and you'll be established. Believe his prophets and you'll prosper. Believe. Say that. Believe. believe. Say, I'm a, I'm a believer. Yeah. Just that. 
will put you in a new position of faith. Hallelujah. Long story short, Mark testified last night. He came, Dylan came through that bone marrow transplant supernaturally. Supernaturally. Because the victory was already won before the battle began. Just like in 2 Chronicles 20. They took the position, I believe in God. And then they lifted up, got the singers, musicians, praising God. Hallelujah. Magnifying God. You know when you praise God, power of God falls and explodes wherever you are. Angels start coming around. Things turn around. Hallelujah. And that was a turnaround battle. Glory to God. It just turned. Tonight, things are turning. Last night, we took our position in the blood. That blood opens heaven. That blood gives us access. We're not standing back. We're in the face of God. Hallelujah. That blood gives you boldness to lay hold on the promise. That blood gives you boldness to look at the devil in the face and say, get out of here. Amen. Amen. And and Mark says, faith has an attitude. And you just have that attitude. It's an attitude. Hallelujah. So I believe tonight you are here right on time. I'm glad you got out of your house. You decided, I'm going to direct my car and I'm going to steer all the way to church. I'm going to get in there. You're having an appointment with heaven tonight. Okay? Praise God. Praise God. Because we don't go anywhere by accident. We don't just want to preach just to fill the calendar up. But we believe that God's doing something in this church, something in your life, something in your family, your finances, your future. Praise God. He's erasing some things in the past, turning things around and just recreating things that you're going to be facing tomorrow. Hallelujah. So our dealing came through without having to have a blood transfusion the whole time. He came through without one day of throwing up. Ha ha. He came through with laughter and joy and song. I go back because I took a lot of videos of him and he's just like, "Mm, mm, mm." child. So he was in the hospital like he had to be in quarantine situation for weeks and weeks. Finally, the day came. They said, okay, you can leave the hospital and you can go up the hill where the RV is parked and stay there so you can come back very often. Or if your temperature goes up, which it never did. Well, he comes out of the hospital. He's getting ready. You know, when you raise up your kids like this, they got that spirit of faith in them. Amen? So he got out of the, the, uh, you know, they brought him down on a wheelchair. You know how they do when they're releasing you and so um, he got out and he stood up he had his mask on you know and bald head you know <laughs> so cute and he gets out there he's going to get in the car it's parked right by the curb 
Here, Dylan, get in the car. Here you are. He goes, wait a minute. And he backed up. And the thing, the little child thinks he can dance really good. <laughs> and he had himself a victory dance. It was hilarious. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, we're going to have faith like kids. Hallelujah. Praise God. But all of that battle was prefaced with hands being laid on him, words of faith being spoken, prayer meetings in the house, communion being taken, the blood applied. Hallelujah. Come on, it's working. I want to encourage you tonight. It's working. Hallelujah. Your acts of faith, your words of praise, it's working. Romans 8, 28 says, all things work together for good. It's just not talking about everything in life works together somehow. No. He says, all these things work together for good. What? The Holy Ghost taking a hold with you against your problem. That's working for good. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes you free from the law of sin and death. That is working. Romans 8, hallelujah, 11. Same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Quickened your mortal body. That's working. All these things work together for good. Hallelujah. And I love to have a victory dance. Praise God. Even before the battle begins. And while you were singing that song, I'm going to see the victory. The battle belongs to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, we got a spirit of faith. Hallelujah. Come on, your praise is your faith. Hallelujah. Show me you got some faith in this room. Praise God. Open up your mouth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We believe, we speak, we praise. Hallelujah. Word of faith is near you. It's in your mouth, in your heart. Hallelujah. Praise God. God is big. Oh, magnify the Lord. Hallelujah. Let us exalt his name together. Because I sought the Lord. He heard me and delivered me out of my fear. Praise God. Your worst fears will not materialize. Hallelujah. Your faith does. Praise God. Praise God. Your body will be healed. Your body is strong. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo. Woo. Hallelujah. Come on, it's a process, but we're going forward. We're taking steps. We're marching. We're marching. Hallelujah. Your children shall come to the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo. Praise God. So, I, you know, I just like this song because it's just, go ahead and get up on your feet. It's just, a, it's a tool for you to release your faith. And I don't know, at least you want to come and help me sing. We're going to sing it again. And it's joy. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I, uh, 
I, I'm sorry, but I actually thought she was like going to go ahead and preach. So <laughs> I kind of already entered the relaxed mode. <laughs> so are you sure you don't have anything else to say? <laughs> All right. I'll give you a couple of scriptures. And if she wants to say something else, you jump up here, baby. All right. Look at Philippians chapter four, verse four. Praise the Lord. Philippians chapter four, verse four. Simple, very simple scripture. And if you're good at following instructions, <laughs> these are pretty simple instructions. Philippians chapter four, verse four says, so rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. I want to know if anybody could look at you on any day and find out and tell whether you're really rejoicing or not. Amen. Because you don't even really have to know the language to tell if people are rejoicing. The Lord said to me one time, he said, your celebration is a demonstration of your expectation. It is. In other words, if your expectation is on God and you have unlimited expectation in his faithfulness and his word, he said, your celebration or your joy is a demonstration of that expectation. Amen. And I uh, heard T.D. Jake say one time, he said, if you don't rejoice, the devil will think he's winning. In other words, the devil don't know everything. He's just got to send adversity, trials, and send thoughts to you and suggestions and feelings and then watch you to see how you react to that. And when that trial or adversity comes and you get down, the devil says, it's working. Send him some more trouble. We got him down now. But if uh, adversity comes in your life and trouble, and when it hits you, if you start rejoicing, you say, devil, that ain't going to work on me. Is that the best shot you got? That ain't going to work on me. So when you rejoice, it's a demonstration to let the devil know he is not winning. So it's a key to exercise and releasing your faith. And so James chapter one, verse two says to count it all joy when you're having adversity or trouble. When he says count it all joy, literally it means all joy means to count it maximum joy means when you're having trouble, Turn your joy up. Turn your joy up. In other words, people should not be able to look at you and tell what's going on in your life. Dad Hagen said, sometimes the greater the pressure and the greater the trouble, he said, I know that means I'm the closest to my breakthrough and my blessing. He said, so that's when I laugh the most. He did that. He said, that's when I laugh the most. And Dad Hagen loved to laugh. It means he might just laugh the whole time. He just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. What's he doing? He's counting it all joy. And he said, knowing this, the trying your faith works patience, that patience have its perfect work. Uh, in other words, that means um, everything don't happen by Friday. My daddy said, with God, payday's not always on Friday but the payday will always come. You keep believing God. In other words, if it looks like a Friday has passed and your reward or harvest didn't come in, he said, just go ahead and rejoice. 
count it all joy, knowing this. And then he said, and you're going to end up perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Hallelujah. Count it all joy. Then look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. He says, talking about you loving Jesus, that we love Jesus. He says, we love him even though we've never seen him with our natural eyes. We love him. And then he says, and yet believing, we believe, we live by faith. We believe his word. We believe he's alive. We believe he's Lord, fundamental truth. He said, yet believing, you rejoice. All right, let's try this side of the way. Yet believing, you rejoice. So a lot of times people kind of have a little misunderstanding about faith and they'll kind of have a real ugly look on their face and they'll say, I'm fighting the fight of faith right now. Well, <laughs> that's really not the way you fight the fight of faith. The way you fight the fight of faith is how would you act if you already had the thing you're believing for? Or Mark eleven twenty four says, when you pray, believe you receive and then you shall have. Let's try that again. In other words, I don't just believe, come on, I believe I receive, which means I can go ahead and rejoice. I believe God's already working on my situation. I believe while I'm rejoicing here, come on, with the way the Lord said it to me, he said, while you're rejoicing here, come on, while you're rejoicing here, he said, I'm working on something back at your house. That's what he said. Well, you're rejoicing here. In other words, in the spirit, God can reach a hundred places, a thousand places at the same time. In other words, God can walk and chew gum at the same time. So he's God. So your faith is in God. And he said, while you're rejoicing here, I'm reaching out into your future, taking things that are out of order, bringing it into order, things that are crooked, I'm going to make it straight. So you go ahead and act like I'm God. Act like I'm the almighty God. Act like I love you. Cast all your cares on me. He said, I'm caring for you right now. I'm taking care of you in grand style. How many believe God's taking care of you in grand style? Woo! And so rejoicing is one way you demonstrate that I'm not worried, I'm not frustrated, I'm not upset. In other words, all of us have responsibilities. We go to work, we take care of our children. We have responsibility, but we don't take it to the point of worry or anxiety. So your joy is a demonstration that I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to have anxiety about it. I'm going to get happy right now because I believe my Father God is taking care of me. And as long as you have the care, he don't. But once you cast it on him, you say, Lord, I'm worrying, I'm casting the worry and the care of this all on you, and I'm just going to get happy right now. And people say, how can you be happy right now? You, you should have had a nervous breakdown by now right now. And you just say, well, I cast the care of that over on the Lord because he cares for me. Go ahead and laugh about that. Over I said, go ahead and get happy about it right now. So he says... Praise the Lord. 
And so a lot of times that kind of rejoicing literally goes against the grain of your natural personality. You say, that's not my personality. I don't feel like it. And I don't have to do it. No, we're just talking about following God's instructions. So, the fruit of the Spirit is actually the opposite of the flesh. Matter of fact, you can pretty much figure out what you feel like doing. Do the opposite and you'll be obeying God. So the fruit of the spirit would be love, come on, instead of hating somebody and come on, being mad at them all the time and having unforgiveness, you forgive them. You walk in love, that's the fruit of the spirit. And you know what the next one is? Joy. Amen. And since it's a fruit, it can actually grow, which means you could actually be happier this year than you were last year. Amen. <laughs> so the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. In other words, happy people are strong in faith. Joy of the Lord is your strength. And sometimes in the middle of that joy, there's different demonstrations of it because, you know, you can tell when somebody's rejoicing. So your, your countenance lightens up, brightens up. You know, that's the first evidence right there you you get the word, look off of your face. Some people just need to look in the mirror and see what the rest of us have to look at. You know what I mean? Look in the mirror. You say, why are you saying that? Well, because one, years ago I was driving my car and I left the church and I'm a pastor, you know, and so, and I look in the rearview mirror and I saw my face and I went, whoa, that don't look good. Come on, I had wrinkles in my head, things I was worried about, things I was upset about, things I was wondering about. And the Lord said, you need to brighten up your countenance. Matter of fact, if you walk into Walmart happy, you would be one of the thousands that walk in there happy. <laughs> come on, so you need to practice, come on, brightening up your countenance. Come on, because we don't know if you're a mass murderer or you're a Christian. I mean, the way you're walking around with it. So the first thing that joy does is it, it brightens up your countenance. So to count it all joy means maximum joy. It means you're going to have to turn your joy up a couple of notches. Or the illustration I always use is when Trent and I first got married, uh, many years ago, we had absolutely nothing, everything fit in the car. And so my aunt had a rich aunt and she bought us a microwave oven. So we didn't know how to use it. Actually, Trent made some steaks or pork chops. Who did that? Mary, Mary Brown. She made us some steaks or pork chops in a microwave. You couldn't even chew them. They were so good. So that was first microwave experience. So we couldn't figure out how to use this machine. And we had found out actually some people are suspicious of them. They're like, I don't know what's going on in there, but them little molecules might come out of there and kill you, man. So, so people were suspicious of them. And back in those days, microwave was really big. Right, so they had a really big microwave. So the only thing I could figure out that actually worked was microwave popcorn. That's the only thing I could figure out how to work. And I actually love popcorn. 
especially when it's fresh and it's hot, man. I, man, if I could get me an NFL football game and get me some microwave popcorn and get me some root beer and some ice cream and have me a root beer float, I'm in hog heaven, man. That's all I need. I don't even care if I'm in a trailer house, man. I'm happy. I could, as long as I got air conditioning, I believe in God and air conditioning. But long as I, man, I'm happy, man. I'm a happy man. So we had this little rental house, you know, we were renting. And uh, so we had the microwave. So all I'm going to do is microwave popcorn. So I'm reading the bag, you know, and tells you what to do. So you put it in the microwave. And so this microwave, uh, it worked best at three minutes and 45 seconds. Three minutes, 45 seconds. All right. So I, you put the bag in there, right? You got your NFL football game on. Get you some ice cream. You know, get your root beer. You're getting everything ready. Bag in there. You got it turned on, right? Three minutes, 45 seconds. So the bag just lay there. So you kind of getting stuff ready. Make sure TV's right, you know. And in the bag, you kind of hear it going, woom, woom, turn around in there. And, and, and you come back in there. It seems like a long time. Three minutes for Imagine if you're a bull rider, eight seconds seems like a long time. But anyway. <laughs> So three minutes, 45 seconds seemed like a long time. So I'd go back and look, and that bag just laying there. One minute go by, nothing. Two minutes, nothing. Two minutes, 45 seconds, nothing. And so this is kind of my first experience, and so I'm thinking, you know, this thing ain't working. This is not working. There's something wrong with mine. It is not working. Well, I'm going to give it a little bit more time. And just in a few more seconds, I got a pop. And it went pop. And I went, oh, I got a pop. <laughs> Something's working. I got a pop. Okay. And then pop, pop. I got two pops in a row. And then I got three pops. And then the last 45 seconds, it just started going to pop, 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 pop. And it just make you happy on the inside. Matter of fact, I... <laughs> I don't even know if y'all got a microwave here at the church, but somebody go get some after church and bring some microwave popcorn and make me some. Anyway, so once it's going to pop, 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 and you're, you're just so happy, man. It's just wonderful. Watch football game, hot popcorn, root beer float. Life is good. Right? Ah, uh, but one day I came home and got the football game on, put the microwave popcorn in there and put it on three minutes, 45 seconds. Nothing happened first minute, nothing happened second minute, nothing happened third minute, nothing happened the fourth minute. So I look in there, what is wrong? Something's wrong. I got no pops in four minutes. And I look at that microwave and somebody had turned the power from high to defrost. Oh, I have wasted four minutes of the football game here. I've wasted four minutes. This is a, this is a real challenge. So I'd wasted four minutes. And so Trenna was in our little, little house, you know, and you could just holler and talk to anybody in the house. So I hollered, Trenna, Trenna, who put the microwave on defrost? She said, I did, honey. I said, you just wasted four minutes of my microwave popcorn in the football game. She said, I'm sorry, honey. I said, no, I'm sorry. Well, if you ever put it on defrost again, put it back on high when you finish. <laughs> okay, honey. 
try to put it back on high, start all over. So the Lord said to me, he said, if you hadn't gotten a pop in a while, you might be on defrost. So if you're going to count it all joy, you're going to have to turn your joy up to maximum joy. And then if nothing's happened in the first three minutes, the last 45 seconds popped the whole bag. And that's when the Lord said to me, don't be upset if nothing happened the first three minutes. I can pop your whole bag the last 45 seconds. <laughs> Some of y'all may not have gotten a pop in a while, but I'm telling you, God will pop your whole bag in the next 45 seconds. <laughs> Man, if you just turn your joy up a little bit higher, glory to God, count it all joy. <laughs> so for your faith to function, <laughs> he says, yet believing you rejoice. Hmm. People say, I'm just believing right now. I'm just believing. Don't you know I'm a believing? I've been a believer for a long time. But if you're a believer and you're believing and you believe that God's working in your situation and you believe that your faith is moving mountains and changing the scenery in your life, you need to go ahead and get happy right now. I believe God. I'm gonna rejoice. I count it all joy. God's on my side. The blood been applied. Ha, 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 ha. Devil, you can't do that to me. <laughs> now, I know you've acted that way at some football games. Don't bring that up. I know you've acted that way. Alabama or Georgia played or Clemson, come on. But when the LSU whooped them all. All right, well, we don't want to bring that up. So I, I'm just telling <laughs> Every dog has his day, man. <laughs> Yet believing, he said, you rejoice. He said, with joy unspeakable and full of glory. The next word said receiving the end or the outcome or the harvest of your faith. Amen. In other words, you go from believing to receiving yes. by rejoicing in the middle. Amen. Let's try that. I said you go from believing to receiving Amen. by rejoicing in the middle. Now we were preaching in Myanmar, which used to be called Burma. And a military dictatorship. And so they're, uh, you know, like um, anti-God, you know. And so we're in there preaching and challenges. And we gathered 600 pastors, you know, came from the villages. And we gave them books and took care of them, preached to them, went to the little church where they have the Bible school. And man, we had a time. But as soon as we left... The military general in that area came into the church, little bamboo church, 
dirt lot, you know, comes into, the, into that little church and he tells everybody, I'm taking over your land and I'm shutting this church down. Wow, well, that was the only hope they had in their life, so much poverty and stuff around them. And when they went to church to worship God, they got joy and man, they were happy. But now they're losing their church. So the general said, I'm taking away from it. You have to vacate, leave the premises here because we're shutting your church down. And the pastor, his name, Pastor Zam, and he's such a great pastor. He said he gathered all of his church people together and told them the news. And they all cried and wept and cried until the, the ground was wet with their tears. They're losing their church. And he stopped them and he said, wait just a second. Mark Hankins was just here just last week. And that's not the way we're supposed to act. So I want y'all to dry those tears up right now. And we're fixing to rejoice right now. And we're going to count it all joy. And we're going to go ahead and jump around and dance a while and let the devil know he ain't going to have the last word in our situation. So he said they stopped crying. They started singing. Then they started rejoicing. Then they started laughing and laughing and laughing. In the middle of it, word came to us. So instead of having a bamboo church, a bunch of people pulled together and now we built them a brick church because here's what happened. The, the general came back within three days and said, I'm gonna have to give it all back to you. You can have all the land, have it all back. And then they built a brick church right on the same spot. Come on, whatever the devil meant for evil, God will turn that around for your good if you'll dare to believe God and rejoice about it and laugh about it. Say, God's on my side. Sit down, sit down. <laughs> Rejoice. Rejoice. In the Lord always. So somebody asks you what time it is, you say, it's a good time to rejoice right now. So that's why you need at least four crazy friends. That will act on the word no matter how things look and start praising. Now listen, I know that difficult things happen in our lives. And actually when my, my dad passed away, my mama for the first time I had seen her depressed. My dad went to be with the Lord. She was mad while he left me here. Then she got depressed, you know, the pictures in the house, and, and now that was all over. It's just hard to, to, to process that. And so, so she just was just darkness and depression. So she asked me if I would speak at my dad's funeral. Well, I wasn't doing so well myself. <laughs> so she said, would you speak at, at dad's funeral? I said, mom, 
I don't want to say nothing. I just want to die. I miss my dad and I'm, I'm hurting and I don't want to talk to nobody. Come on, I'm wounded and I don't want to talk to nobody and I don't want nobody talking to me. I'm glad to see you. That's it. But people come up to you and they say, you know, your dad's in a better place. And I would say, and you'll fix him to be also if you don't <laughs> shut up. <laughs> anyway, I just had a bad. <laughs> I was not real happy. I was, you know, I'm, I'm friendly, but just leave me alone, would you? So my mama said, why don't you get up and you preach? I said, oh, mama, please, Mark, please. So I got up to preach. And I started telling about God's faithfulness because my dad had pastored almost 50 years. And the church had grown from 20 people to over 2,000 people. And there was only 3,000 people in the whole town. 50 pastors and missionaries had been sent around the world from a little town. Man, little town. So I started telling about the faithfulness of God. When my dad first moved there, he had had a heart attack as a young preacher. My mom had had a nervous breakdown and she lived in total darkness for two years. They said she refused to eat just enough to keep from dying. Everything was going wrong. They're poor, they're sick, they're depressed. And somebody came and gave them a book called The Authority of the Believer. I'm on glory. <laughs> when my daddy got a hold of that book on the authority of the believer, he's like, really? Mountains can move, huh? Let's go there. And I said, mountains can't move. They don't have to just stay there. So he started speaking the word, got my mama to speak the word, and the whole situation turned around. And my mama came out of depression, came over into the church, and rejoiced, praise God, for the next, whatever, 48 years. Leading prayer, preaching the gospel. Look what the Lord has done. And I heard my mama, I looked down the front row, my mama sitting down there like this. And she was sitting next to Trina. And while I was talking about the faithfulness of God, her head came up like this. She said, hallelujah. <laughs> I looked down there and she was sitting next to Trina. And she, she said, Let's run. <laughs> now, what you don't know, maybe, is she would do that, not every Sunday, but you can never tell when she's going to do it. And if a friend of mine came to church, I had to pray my mama would not run that Sunday. <laughs> Sunday friend of mine did come. My mama took off running. He said, who's that woman? I said, I have no idea who this woman is. My mama. I was so embarrassed. I mean. But if you knew the depression she'd come out of, you'd know in the presence of God there's fullness of joy. So instead of living in depression, she'd start praising the Lord that she'd take off running. And she wasn't the only one after she would run. People watching her running. A guy named Sidney Smith, he'd start to stomp. He'd go, whoa. 
woman named Sister Houston, she would get intoxicated or laughing, joy in the Holy Ghost. She'd stagger around laughing. And my daddy would say, some of y'all think this is not necessary and it's not necessary unless it's necessary. So while they're trying to figure that out, you know, mama's trying to finish running. So my mom was depressed at the funeral, but when we started talking about the faithfulness of God, I heard her go, hallelujah. And she said, let's run. So Trina got on one side of her. Another lady got on the other side and they started running. Well, at my mama's, my, my dad's funeral, they had over 2,000 people there at my dad's funeral. It's only 3,000 people in town. So policemen and everybody's in there. And my mama's running around the church. Well, I started laughing. I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> For one thing, I was watching all the politicians, you know, and the, and the, the police and stuff while they're watching the widow run around the church <laughs> at her husband's funeral. So they're, they're probably thinking, man, he must have left her a lot of money, man. Look at her running. <laughs> <laughs> Here she's running. First time I've ever seen that. And there she's running at the funeral. We started laughing. Instead of depression, my daddy always said, I want a happy funeral. He said, because I ain't dead. I'm alive. I'm absent from the body. I'm present with the Lord. I want a happy funeral. Hallelujah. Come on, if you believe that. Come on, we may miss somebody, but we do not grieve as those who have no hope. In other words, we don't go into depression. We believe we have eternal life. We have been washed in the blood. We've got life forever. We'll never die. How many of y'all believe you got eternal life? You all got eternal life. <laughs> I like to say the Holy Spirit will have you laughing at the most unusual time. You'll even try to tell him this is not a good time. Because like, not right now. But to laugh in the face of the enemy because your faith is in God. Hmm, hallelujah. hallelujah. Your faith is in God. Jesus said you can rejoice just because your name is written down in heaven. Come on, no matter what the doctor says, no matter what people do, my name is written down in heaven. I'm a child of God. What's that mean? Hallelujah. That means I'm the happiest person that lives on my block. Hallelujah. I have eternal life. Glory to God. Jesus is my Lord. I am saved. Well, forever I'll be with the Lord. <laughs> Woo! Uh-huh. We walk by faith and not by sight. 
So Lester Sumrall, he went to Smith Wigglesworth's house many times when Smith Wigglesworth raised 23 people from the dead, ever increasing faith, amazing man of God, revival on every continent of the world. And when he got to be an older man, Wigglesworth would go visit him. So he asked him when he saw him, he said, how come every time I see you, you are the same? That means you got victory every time. Every time I see you. In other words, not a bunch of mood swings, you know, down here, up there, down there. He said, every time I see you, you've got victory. So he said, how do you get up in the morning? Come on. How do you get up in the morning? <laughs> First pants, then the shoes. I saw that in the cartoon. Anyway, so how do you get up in the morning? <laughs> It don't work very well the other way. So how do you get up in the morning? He said, he said, Smith Wigglesworth said, I get up in the morning and I dance before the Lord. He said for about 14 minutes. Boy, you're talking about some uh, cardio. He said, I dance before the Lord for 14 minutes. He said, high speed dancing. And I tell the Lord how wonderful it is to be his child. How thankful I am that he's my father. He said, and I rejoice before him first thing in the morning. Whoa, come on, how many ever tried that? That's not that easy to do. I mean, that, I don't know, man. I don't know if that's before coffee or after coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and some people would receive from God, I believe, a lot faster if they weren't so concerned with being pretty. You want to try to be pretty, you know, like, I wonder what people are thinking about me. People really are not thinking about you. That's a sad part right there. In other words, instead of being people conscious or self-conscious, you become God conscious. You rejoice before him. So to turn your joy up, first of all, brighten up your countenance. Show your teeth or your tooth. Of all the years I've said that, and I actually went into a store. <laughs> well, Tennessee, I don't know, West Virginia, maybe. I went into a store after church one night <laughs> to get me some milk or something. I went in this store, and there she was, the happiest woman with one tooth I had ever met. And she had one tooth right in the middle. I said, well, I'm glad to see you because I've been talking about you for a long time. That means... Come on, if you don't have teeth, you show your tooth, you stick your teeth out there. <laughs> Let us see your gums, whatever you got left. In other words, Amen. instead of being so concerned what people think about, <laughs> Woo, come on, we live in a world where there's all kinds of trouble on every side. 
But on the cross, Jesus, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. In other words, he lifted from us from living in depression and sorrow and grief. Come on, all kinds of stuff may happen, but the Lord will turn your mourning into dancing and turn your sorrow into joy. And in that atmosphere, Come on, your popcorn is popping, man, while you're in that atmosphere. He's like, whoa! That means promises are popping when you rejoice. Ha, 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 ha. It's funny, you say, Lord, now what should I do in this situation? You say, rejoice. You say, uh, is there anything else I could do that'd be a little bit more difficult? He said, no, I want you to get happy right now. I want you to rejoice right now. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. But Isaiah said, with joy, you draw water from the wells of salvation. Listen, and the psalmist David said, this is one of my favorites, because David was a dancing man. And you don't want to make fun of him, because sometimes when you see somebody rejoicing, you think it's kind of silly. You know, I grew up in church and people, my mom would run, people get real happy and you're like, hey, ain't that silly. Really, it's really not silly. It might look funny, but it's really serious business. Yes, it is. Amen. C.S. Lewis said, joy is the serious business of heaven. That means whenever heaven is going to take care of serious business, he's going to do it in an atmosphere of joy. So while somebody's rejoicing and happy, maybe laughing, maybe dancing, the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and you may just start off in faith, come on, and the anointing will come upon you. Hallelujah. And you just start rejoicing before the Lord. And when David rejoiced before the Lord, what was he saying? He was saying, it was the Lord who brought me out of the sheepfold. He told his wife, you know, that was Saul's daughter. He said, it wasn't your daddy. It wasn't your money. Come on. It wasn't education. It was the Lord that made me king. It was the Lord that brought me out. It was the Lord. And so David said, I was just rejoicing before the Lord. I was dancing before the Lord. Now, some of y'all may need to practice at the house tomorrow morning. Or practice. Come on. You got some time by yourself and just go, all right. I'm fixing to rejoice right now. I remember the first time I did that in the morning. I'm fixing to rejoice right now. And I'm like, all right. I'm fixing to rejoice. And I was kind of self-conscious. And I thought, if you're self-conscious when you're alone, come on, you got like mental problems. So I, I was embarrassed for myself. You know, I was embarrassed for myself. I was like, you look so stupid right now, I'm saying. So I just did my best. Come on, if you can't dance, you can scoot. Just kind of scoot around like that. Shake it to the east and shake it to the west and come on, move a thing here or there. I've seen Dad Hagen at 80, 86 years old. 
and the joy of the Lord. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Come on, that joy is literally on the inside of you. Come on, and when you begin to rejoice, right up out of your spirit, the God kind of faith. Ha, 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 ha. Wigglesworth said, faith laughs at impossibilities. Some of you are facing some things right now that just look impossible. Just go ahead and laugh at it for a minute. Come on, it might be too big for me, but it's not too big for God. So I'm gonna go ahead and laugh at it for just a few minutes right now. Ha, 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 ha. God is on my side. If God is for me, who could be against me? If he gave me Jesus, he'll give me everything. Father God, I'm gonna have to do a little rejoicing right before you and thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Stand up on your feet and shout about it. Hallelujah. Come on, stand up on your feet. Shout about it. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah. Woo! Come on, give the Lord a shout of triumph. my favorites is in Psalms where David said, Lord, I rejoice at your mercy. I rejoice because of your mercy. I rejoice because of your mercy. What does that mean? It means, Lord, I'm rejoicing right now. Not because I've done everything right but I'm rejoicing because of your mercy. Well, you ought to get to rejoice right now. Say, Lord, I rejoice. Let's leave with one scripture. First Peter 5, 7. Cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. Now you might think that's not much. Boy, I'm going to tell you that's much. You know, there was a time that, and I didn't, and Mark doesn't know all my story. 
And I went through a, a year from hell. And I remember going down to Kissimmee, and Mark was preaching down there in Kenestrata's church. And he was preaching on joy. I have to tell y'all, I didn't feel like joy. <laughs> I just let him preach me happy. If he hollered, I hollered. If he jumped, I jumped. And I just needed to be around. You know, it might seem simple, cast your cares. That's, that's actually a pretty big deal. I had been praying serious for months. I was serious. It didn't do a bit of good. Nothing changed until I got full of joy. One scripture. I finally went, God, I'm going to give it to you. Quit praying about it. Quit worrying about it. Quit, quit trying to fix it. And it might have, you know, to me, it, it seemed like it can't be that easy. But it was. And I mean, it was a fight to stay in joy. It, I mean, I had to fight to quit worrying about everything. What did I do wrong? What could I have done better? What am I going to do? I got Brother Hagen CD, Cast All Your Cares. I looped it in my truck over and over and over. And I just made up my mind, if I don't ever do anything, we just count it all joy. That day, it just started turning around. You know, and I thought, well, it is, apparently it's that easy. So I'm leaving you with this scripture tonight. You said, well, I had land. I, they prayed for me. That's happened before. Let me tell you something. You just give it to God. And refuse to get unhappy about it anymore. I mean, you act like God's got this thing. I don't care how big it is. And I'm going to tell you something. He'll turn it around. But I mean, there's times you're just going to have to get, you know, I still do it today. I'll plug Mark Hankins right in my truck and him and I'll go down the road shouting. And I don't always feel like it. I don't always feel like shouting. But I'm going to tell you something. It's that simple. It's that simple. Either you got it or God's got it. If he's got it, then you ain't carrying it around. Amen. 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 Say, I cast, I cast all of my cares once and for all on him. I refuse to worry about it anymore. I'm going to count it all joy. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'll see you back here at 7 o'clock.